This is the Create Love, Create Freedom podcast. My name is Allison Fisher, and on today's episode, we are going to be talking about setting boundaries with your parents as an adult. So I have quite a bit of experience with this. Um, I have had to learn how to set boundaries with both my father and my mother. And I'll explain kind of some of the differences because some have been more extreme boundaries with one parent and other boundaries, you know, with, with my father, with the other parent, um, it, it hasn't need to be nearly as extreme. Um, but it is a really strange place to kind of find yourself in when you are this adult child, right? You're an adult, um, but your parents constantly, you know, think that they play this much bigger role in your life still. And it's an interesting conversation that I've had with several people, um, but particularly even a conversation I've had with my father, you know, when we initially discussed it, um, I said, you know, obviously you were born in the fifties. Did your parents, did you have to have this kind of conversation with your parents? And he said, well, no, I didn't. And I said, hmm, well, that's really interesting because, you know, here we are and I have to have this conversation with you um, about, you know, kind of either not respecting my privacy or, you know, where your parent really has this need to more than just offer you advice or um, act as kind of a mentor in your life. They're really offering a lot of criticism. They are really trying to continue to tell you what to do. And what I've really found is that that's a, that's a very big struggle because particularly as a woman, that's very much held me back from individuating, from becoming that individual in my life that really, um, you know, that, that chooses the direction that I want to go that really decides, Hey, I think that this is what's best for me. Now it's really great when you've got the parents who you can turn to and say, gosh, you've got a lot more experience than I do. Um, could we have this kind of conversation? You know, what are your thoughts? I'd like to know what you think, but ultimately they allow you to make your own decision. And when you are, when you have parents that constantly step over boundaries, um, maybe there is some enmeshment trauma um, where, you know, they are, they're really, they're really stepping into your life in ways that you know is not very healthy. Um, what I found is that it often comes from a couple of places, at least for me, this has been my experience. And one of those places uh, with both of my parents has been, um, has been the fact that they are both insecurely attached. So of course, growing up, I was insecurely attached, but the other thing, you know, with my mother, um, there's a lot of there's a lot of mental health kind of challenges. Uh, my mother has um, bipolar, and then she also has untreated, undiagnosed borderline personality disorder. So even throughout my childhood, uh, again, that enmeshment, that enmeshment trauma 
is really where in my childhood, there was always a disregard for personal boundaries, a loss of autonomy. I was always, my mother uh, oftentimes, even today, still operates from a place of needing to control everything. And that makes sense when you look at her borderline, right? Um, she's always really struggled to manage her emotions, uh, but then she tries to manage everybody else, control everybody else. Um, she's always tried to have a lot of power in, you know, both her marriage with my father, but also in, you know, just as being the mother, the matriarchy of our family. And she uses it through a lot of emotional power, a lot of verbal power. And what this has done is that it has really created this, this place where my father will kind of go along to get along. Uh, my father is a type nine on the Enneagram. And so particularly growing up in childhood, it was, it was difficult for him. It was difficult for him to stand up for himself. Um, and he didn't always stand up for us. So my father and I had the conversation, um, probably after college, you know, I was probably, uh, I had returned from Peace Corps. So I was probably 28, 30. Um, so, you know, this is almost 10 years ago and we, we had that conversation around, listen, I realize that you will always be my parent, that you will always be my father. And I love that at the same time though, you. I need someone who's a mentor and an advisor in my life, someone that I can turn to. We we need to shift the dynamic of our relationship um, because I don't need someone telling me what to do anymore. And I'll give a few examples of how sometimes that works and sometimes that doesn't work. And so sometimes I have to remind him. Now, the difference between my parents is that my father is really coming at it from a place of deep love. Like he deeply wants to see myself and my sister succeed. He wants children who are, who absolutely love their lives, who are happy, who, you know, have meaningful work, who, you know, just really do so many things in their lives that, that bring them joy, right? Just as hopefully my sister and I both bring him joy. Maybe not all the time. Sometimes we have to have hard conversations. But I find this to be a really, you know, that, that kind of relationship is much more beautiful because even though I have had to put some boundaries around my father, um, in a previous episode, I, I discussed boundaries as being, you could build the Berlin Wall or the Great Wall of China, right? Um, you could build the castle, you know, which is you. Uh, yourself, you know, whatnot, and then build the massive wall around it with the moat. And then the fire arrows and the dragons breathing down, you know, hellfire, whatever, on on any sort of intruder. What I found is that that keeps a lot of really good people out. And so for me, I've also learned that a boundary is not simply a doormat that someone wipes their feet all over, right? It's got to be somewhere in between. Um, we can think about it as um, a barbed wire fence. Um, I've got a couple friends who maybe are a little bit more prickly, right? <laughs> Just their personality. 
Uh, I always joke with them a little bit sometimes where I'm like, oh, you're bringing out the barbed wire fence again. Um, but for me, you know, some for somebody else, it might be a picket fence. For me, I like to think about it as a beautiful um, black wrought iron fence. And it has a gate, a couple of them, in fact. And I will let you in. Um, I want, you know, you can see the house, you can do all those things, but this is still one of my boundaries. And if you cross it, I'm going to ask you to leave. Uh, until we can kind of figure out how to, you know, or, or until you can really kind of respect some of my boundaries. And again, with boundaries, it can be difficult because in the past I've had very rigid boundaries, like again, the Berlin Wall, or I've had no boundaries whatsoever and people wipe their, you know, used to wipe their feet all over me. So for me, not only one of the ways to heal enmeshment trauma, right? That disregard for personal boundaries, autonomy um, in my own life, really, really moving into adulthood and having my own identity. My mother to this day still attacks that a lot. She doesn't like a lot of the things that I do. And um, my father may disagree about some things, but I do not believe that he acts in, in a way that is controlling or certainly trying to use emotional power or verbal power to keep me small. Um, I think if he does operate with some kind of controlling, more controlling behaviors, it is usually because of something, uh, a recent encounter with my mother. Because obviously when you are with somebody who is constantly up and down, um, constantly kind of goes from rage to, you know, um, sobbing, breaking down, really very often acting kind of like the little child. Um, it causes so many disturbances, not only in the family, um, but also that relationship that you have to yourself. And so for me, setting those boundaries with my dad has been very different than setting boundaries with my mother. So setting boundaries with my mother, um, it has been, again, very different. Um, here in a few minutes, I will go over some of the different um, definitions when it comes to the toxic parent, the abusive parent, the gaslighting parent, the narcissistic parent, um, the controlling parent, or the overprotective uh, parent. And I think my father can sometimes be the overprotective parent from time to time. Um, but my mother is definitely more so in the space a lot of times as the abusive or the toxic parent. And her borderline, I actually did a podcast episode on it. It it can really look like narcissism, but it has a different root cause. So there there's a there's a different there are different reasons for it, but it still shows up as that very controlling kind of aspect. So I would say over the past six, seven years, I have really worked on boundaries and I have tried some things that have failed with my mother. Um, I have found that most boundaries fail with her. She doesn't like it. She doesn't like most of the changes that I've made in my life when it comes to my habits, my choices, um, you know, how I live my life because I have really gone on this deep kind of healing journey. And it's very threatening to her. Um, 
And so when I try to set boundaries with her, it can look very, I I think that she feels abandoned in a lot of ways, because again, with borderline, that is a very deep sense of, you know, how they are, I guess, some of the emotional damage that is, that has occurred. And then you know, how they have used a lot of stories and wounds and trauma to, or I should say wounds and trauma to create a lot of the stories in their life. And a lot of the stories are around, well, you just don't think I'm a good enough mother or a good mother, or I don't like what you've done. Therefore, I'm going to, uh, my mother's very big about canceling holidays, um, which is one of the reasons why I do my very best now to avoid those kinds of things. Um, to choose to have boundaries around that, meaning I will often go somewhere else over a holiday. Um, even if it's just, you know, a little ways away at some sort of Airbnb in a place that, you know, I haven't been before or whatever, because it is a very toxic environment. She's always incredibly frantic. Everything needs to more than just be perfect. Um, she will often become very resentful because she, in the beginning, will only want to do it all. And then when you try to help, no, 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 I don't need your help. And then she will be resentful for the fact that you didn't help. And, um, you know, another thing as well is she, in the past, has really tried to use money to control. Well, we bought you this. I'm either going to take it away or you know, uh, you only get to speak to me this way. And again, I'm a person who's very, for the most part, respectful. There've been a few times when I have not been respectful, um, certainly verbally. Uh, But I have found that anytime I tried to put boundaries around her, um, it was very much a struggle. So I have spent a lot of my time, I, I went about two years with her where we had no contact. Um, but now it is very low contact. She currently is unblocked on my phone. Um, but I do not, I do not have a problem sending her a text message after she sent something incredibly nasty and say, Hey, you know what? Um, we're going to take a little break now. I don't just ghost her. You know, I usually just let her know, um, gosh, the, the discourse that we have had between each other has not been very healthy and that is not good for me. It's also, of course, not good for her, but, you know, she likes to really kind of fight it out. And so instead, what I have really tried to do is, um, I guess, I've tried to put those boundaries there. I've tried to make them very clear. Um, But instead, I've really had to resort to a lot of other things, which is, you know, because I have, uh, you know, almost 40 years with her, I know that. I, I know some of the things that are going to come up. Um, and so I also always have an exit strategy, whether it is a family gathering, whether it is, um, you know, spending any sort of time with her. Um, usually the summer months are pretty quiet because, you know, I'm off doing my thing, but it's usually when the holidays hit that it's, it's a lot worse. So I always have an exit strategy. I never ride with them anymore. Um, I always have my own transportation. Um, and Yes, to some degree it is sad, but what I have found in life is there are some people you cannot set boundaries with. You just can't do it. 
Um, and I think part of allowing our parents to know us and, and recognize us for who we are as adults, not who we are or who we were as children, is incredibly profound and important. But what I have found is that there will be a parent or a family member or a former, you know, maybe friend, they're just simply not going to see that. And sometimes you have to take more drastic matter, uh, measures. Now, you get to make that choice for you, just like I've made different choices for me. And I have made certain kinds of decisions around what is really good for me. Um, we'll, we'll dive into the the kind of the nervous system and some stuff like that here in a few minutes. But, but um, I want to discuss not only why setting boundaries is important, but again, I want to go over a couple of those definitions. Um, our parents and the experiences and challenges that we've had with our parents really shape who we are. And, you know, particularly if you're listening to this podcast or this podcast episode, a lot of times you know, you're in this new space where you're really becoming very aware of the, of some of maybe the limitations, the, the wounds that occurred, maybe even the trauma that occurred in some of your childhood, or maybe it's been more recent and it's just been recent interactions with your, with your parents. Um, so what I have found is that when I'm trying to set new boundaries with my parents, it's really important to work on those boundaries with other people first and work on a lot of self boundaries. Because if I don't have a boundary with myself, I'm never going to have a boundary with anybody else around me. So think about it this way. You are showing people by how you treat yourself, how they should treat you. You are showing people how to treat you based upon the way that you treat yourself. So that was one of the things that I really had to learn was, wow, I'm accepting a lot of this nonsense, a lot of this hurt, this pain, um, this really kind of shitty way that, you know, in particular for me, my mother uh, will often treat me. I'm accepting it because I don't believe that I'm worthy of anything else. So I really had to work on that frame of mind. Um, I also think that making changes, like things will change as an adult. You will have different boundaries with your parents because they are not responsible for you to the same degree anymore. Oh, they absolutely love and care about you. Well, at least most parents do. Even my mother, who I struggle with from time to time, I know that she loves and cares about me. I don't know the way that she acts or the way that she does things. And you, I can hold these two juxtaposed things at the same time, which is my mother loves and cares about me, and she can be incredibly abusive, verbally, emotionally, psychologically, mentally. And so I have to, I can hold both of these truths at the same time, yet also learn how to set boundaries as an adult. Um, it's perfectly fine if you want to come over to my house. Uh, and for the most part, like my, my mother doesn't come over hardly ever, uh, but that's been a thing that we've had to establish. Um, but also, you know, with my father, we work out together 
usually one day a week. It's usually Saturday mornings. And he'll always text usually the night before or I'll text, hey, are we on for tomorrow? Yeah, cool. I'll see you at 8.30 in the morning. All right, great. Um, Occasionally he'll just drop by and that's fine. Um, But, you know, I'm also gone a lot. I work a lot. Um, But at the same time, some of those little boundaries um, can be very important. But as you're shifting, as you're moving from that teenage phase into adulthood, at least in my mind, being a healthy parent is really about allowing your children to become not just fully functioning adults, but adults who have their own identity, who may disagree with you on some things that you hope to never disagree on, like uh, faith or religion or politics, right? I find it really fascinating. Um, the more rigid people are, uh, the more the less we are willing to listen to each other. And I tend to be that person who really struggles with very rigid people. I'm incredibly curious, so I don't just dismiss things out of hand. I want to dive into it, dig a little deeper. Or if the topic doesn't really interest me that much, I'll kind of you know push it to the back of my mind. So I'm usually not interested in debating people. I'm interested in having discourse, conversation, and saying, huh, I still don't agree with you, but gosh, that point that you brought up was actually a pretty good one. Yeah, you know what? Let me, I don't know what to do with this yet. I'm not going to discard it or dismiss it, but I'm also not going to suddenly be like, oh yeah, that's exactly what I believe too, right? I'm going to to think about it for a little bit. But when we are setting new boundaries, we are really training our parents to say, hey, I'm moving into this adult space. You need to loosen your grip a little bit. And I very much believe that this is a newer problem. Um, you know, I've, I've lived a lot of places in the world. I haven't seen it to the same degree that American parents seem to struggle with releasing their kids. Uh, you know, allowing their kids to individuate, to self-actualize, to become who they are. Um, you know, I've I've studied some books on you know French parenting and Danish parenting and whatnot. And what's interesting to me is there is a good chunk of I'm not exactly sure what the percentage is, but there is a good percentage of children over the age of 18 and even into their 20s who in in France who still live with their parents but they also have been taught and trained by their parents to understand that their parents have a separate life as well it doesn't mean that it's necessarily secretive but you know they're now the adult you know the the adult child and their parents are also pursuing different things in their lives and I think in here in the United States, we've really grasped onto this idea. Maybe it's also only because we only have, you know, a couple of kids generally um, versus, you know, back when we were plowing the fields and whatnot, uh, you know, in the 1770s, um, where there were a lot more children and everyone stayed a lot closer. There does seem to be this effect in American parenting where it's a lot more clinging, um, where we as adults don't seem to really become adults, financially independent, um, you know, 
working through the kinds of education that we need um, to either have the jobs or the careers that we need. And by education, I don't just simply mean going to college, right? There are a lot of different paths. But it seems to me like it takes a lot longer um, to actually kind of reach that adult space. And I think that this is one of the reasons why we as Americans often really struggle with with having, you know, we, we really have to have these kinds of conversations with our parents. Hey, I need a mentor and an advisor in my life. I don't need you to try to control or give your opinion on every single thing that I do. So I think that boundaries very much can change over time. You might have to start with um, different kinds of boundaries, try them out. And boundaries are going to look different depending on the person whether it's your mom or your dad, or if you come from a household with two moms or two dads, right? Whatever that looks like. Sometimes that can even extend into our grandparents, you know, if our grandparents were our primary caregivers or someone else. But understand that it's it's really important to know that, you know, with some person, you know, with one person, you might start off with kind of a harder boundary. And then you might have to soften it a little over time. Or with one person, you might start with a softer boundary and you might have to really strengthen it over time. I think a lot of that plays into the dynamic that we have with that person, that parent, that caregiver or childhood caregiver, and also our own personality type. Um, if you were someone who struggles with confrontation a little bit, you're going to have to get a little bit better at that. You're going to have to work on that. Um, I certainly did. I'm a type four on the Enneagram and confrontation in the past um, was avoided at all cost. <laughs> uh, now I'm much better at it and I, because I see now that confrontation does not have to mean um, anger or tearing each other down or hurt feelings. It can just be, hey, this is how, you know, I, I can show up in a in a much healthier way. I do want to mention that there can be a lot of limitations around boundaries with your parents, um, especially if your parent is a toxic parent, an abusive parent, a parent who gaslights you a lot, or a narcissistic parent. So let's look at more of the definition of the toxic parent. What I have found is that toxic parents can be fairly unsupportive, um, harsh, uh, abusive, and controlling. So this will really often affect, of course, your mental uh, and physical health um, at a young age, but it will also carry and stay, it'll be carried with you into adulthood and really stay with you in adulthood. Um, you know, if, if you were someone who really struggles with some low self-esteem, uh, this can be a place where, you know, that, that toxic parenting may have been there, especially if you really struggle to set healthy boundaries, you struggle to put yourself first, um, caring for yourself as well. And what I have found is that the toxic parent-child relationship really develops 
when children experience significant stress at the hands of their parents, or oftentimes when their parents fail to protect them, um, to protect them, you know, when they were children in a stressful, um, or a harmful, um, environment. And so there are these wounds that will show up for us. What I have found though, is that the toxic parent really struggles with that kind of healthy parent-child relationship. So uh, this could be like love, warmth, nurturance, understanding, protection, appropriate modeling, teaching opportunities, and of course, clear and firm boundaries. Um, And so when you try to instill that as an adult, when you're working through um, a lot of those issues, again, it may not have even been a ton of like very traumatic events in your childhood, but there was just kind of an underlying stress, which I very much um, relate to. It, it always felt like there was this, I, I kind of think about it as like the humming of bees, you know, that that kind of anxiety, that low-grade stress that was always there in my childhood home. Uh, So let's look at the abusive parent. Parental abuse can take a lot of different forms. This could, of course, be emotional, psychological, verbal, physical, also sexual. Um, I find that certain types of abuse are a lot easier to notice, right? Especially the the verbal, the physical, the sexual. Um, But... Uh, you know, we, we, I talk a lot about emotional neglect, which is a bit different than emotional abuse, but still it leaves this very deep mark on both the child. Um, and then also really kind of primes the parent for more of that in the future and really stepping a lot across a lot of your boundaries as an adult. And Again, physical abuse is a lot easier, of course, to identify, but emotional abuse is where the parent really fails to protect the child, but also to meet their child's needs for love and support. And I think it's it's really important to look at our you know, our childhoods and see, gosh, is this, is this also something I'm kind of dealing with? Is this why setting any sort of boundary or having these boundaries that seem very porous to my parents? And one of the reasons why, you know, in adulthood, I might be struggling with a sense of, you know, who I am or um, a sense of autonomy, right? Being able to go out and pursue what I want to pursue in the world. And yeah, sometimes feeling some fear, but for the most part saying, okay, I feel the fear and I'm going to do it anyway. If, if we struggle to do those kinds of things, it can often be due to a lot of that, a, a lot of the pieces that were there in childhood that were toxic or abusive, but also some of the pieces that were really missing. Now, the gaslighting parent. Um, this is the parent who uses manipulation to really control their child. There's a lot of manipulation and control. Um, this could be distorting facts. This could be denying, 
um, an experience that the child had. No, 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 no. You just remember it wrong. Um, and, and that can even, again, we can sometimes see that or hear that even in adulthood. No, no, no. You just, you didn't, you got that wrong. You, you know, I was there for you when you were, um, you know, when you were a child or whatever, you just, you just don't remember correctly. Um, also this can happen, you know, the gaslighting parent, uh, can really show up when they play the victim. They constantly play the martyr, the victim. Oh, well, my mother does this sometimes too. Uh, you know, you just don't love me. Or um, if you acted this way, I wouldn't do this. Um, so, you know, that is another form of, of that gaslighting. So in adulthood, I, again, another one of those um, characteristics of someone who was raised by someone who who really gaslit them a lot uh, could be that low self esteem, um, that kind of belief that maybe your feelings don't matter a lot, or that you cannot trust yourself because you've always been wrong. Someone else has always been right about uh, the way that uh, things were in your life, and instead of really um, you know, being able to say, no, like I, I can trust myself. I can trust my intuition. I know that those things that happened in childhood, some of them were great and some of them were not good. And, you know, it, again, it's very difficult to break free from toxic, abusive, gaslighting parents because there was so much manipulation. And we have really been indoctrinated with this belief that, we need them. Um, that we need this this kind of family unit, and of course, the truth is, we as human beings we are wired for connection. We need love and time and attention and affection and closeness, and we need attachment to others. But um, we have to really kind of sort through our childhood a lot and say, wait, were some of those attachments were those healthy, or was that manipulation and control? Um, another, uh, aspect of that unhealthy parent was the narcissistic parent. Um, again, this is something that really deeply affects you in childhood and then carries, uh, you carry it with you into adulthood. Um, some of the signs of having a, a narcissistic parent can be that you, are expected to suppress your emotions so that you don't upset them. This can also be the parent with borderline. Um, I very much remember walking on eggshells in my childhood. You never wanted to upset mom, but it's also something with that narcissistic parent. You have to, you have to suppress who you are. You have to suppress your emotions, your feelings, because you don't want to upset them. Um, the narcissistic parent will often have a lot of gaslighting tactics, a lot of manipulation in order to control. Um, the gas, or excuse me, the narcissistic parent will have absolutely no flaws. Or uh, what I really mean, of course, is that they have a ton of flaws, but they will try to get you to agree with the fact that they are nearly perfect. There's 
almost nothing wrong with them. And in fact, it's you. Um, if there is anything ugly that kind of comes out of them, it's because you did something to trigger that. And then also, um, I think it's really interesting that particularly with the narcissistic parent, if you try to get any sort of independence, they will really create a lot of guilt, a lot of shame around that. And again, um, that makes sense that it would be very difficult to set any boundaries, to really carve out your own identity, uh, a lot of enmeshment within that kind of family unit, because you're not allowed to create your own autonomy. You're not allowed to become the person that you really want to be, or or that, you know, particularly if it doesn't align with them. Um, but sometimes just even in general, uh, sometimes the gaslighting parent will also do that. So let's also look at the controlling parent. So the controlling parent really tries to dictate any and all aspects of their child's life, uh, where there's very little, um, again, autonomy, there's very little privacy. Um, obedience is one of the most important things to them. You must comply immediately. Um, I think that this tactic is particularly difficult for women to break through um, as adults, particularly when they have learned how to be that child. I think that that's often why women choose uh, very controlling men, right? Because that's the belief that has been drilled into them. Um, and of course this, this affects every aspect of your life. If you have this kind of a uh, controlling parent, um, it, it really affects all of the relationships that you have as, as an adult, the friendships that you have, the, the relationships that you have with work colleagues, and certainly your romantic partners, people will walk all over you. You will really kind of be that doormat. Um, it will also really dictate how you handle problems and how you make decisions. Oh, I don't want to upset anyone else. Because again, as particularly as a woman, you were taught to be nice. You were taught to be kind. You were taught to be accommodating. You were, you were taught to put your own needs last. And I, I think that in order to be able to deal with the controlling parent in adulthood, first you have to kind of understand, oh yeah, look at that. Um, there were definitely some some signs of that in my in my childhood, right? Those unattainable or perfectionistic standards. Um, very little privacy. Um, I, I think with all of these kinds of more toxic, um, abusive, uh, gaslighting, narcissistic, controlling parenting styles, there is very little lack of appreciation for individuality. Um, again, that, that demanding of obedience. And I think that a lot of times love is very conditional. Um, Love always has an expectation with it. If you act this way, I will then show you the kind of love that you so deeply need and desire, that you crave, right? 
And so I think that that can often be a very big struggle when we are looking to set boundaries with some of our parents. Um, And again, for me, I have one parent who it's much harder to set boundaries with and another parent who, yeah, we've had to make some little tweaks along the way, but we have had those conversations and it's going really well. And so, you know, depending on the type of parents you have or each parent that you have, uh, this might be, you know, these, these might be some, some difficult things uh, for you to work through. But first, again, you're really going to have to really work with yourself. You're going to have to kind of get to this place where you realize, oh, look at that. I am really often manipulated by my parents. Uh, particularly if they they fall into much more of that unhealthy uh, space. Love is very conditional. My obedience is, again, another condition of whether or not I get some of the love that I I want from my parent. And then lastly, let's take a look at the overprotective parent. So, these are the parents who I would say again, it's a form of control. Um, they try to the goal they they will often kind of say, well, you know, I'm just trying to keep you safe. I'm just trying to you know they, they act like they're really looking out for your well-being. but their actions, their behaviors are very intrusive. and at some point, Uh, For me, it's been very frustrating. I am an adult now, right? But in childhood, it looks like, uh, you know, sometimes um, kind of being the puppeteer almost in uh, friendships with academics, with certain kinds of actions, um, you know, with those kinds of responsibilities that I had, um, you know, sports, that kind of thing. And usually, the overprotective parent, it usually stems from something else. I've seen the overprotective parent parenting happen when maybe a child was very sick when they were little. And so the parent has had to ramp that up a lot. And they've always kind of seen their child as a bit delicate rather than really teaching them how to fail and get back up. Um, really, And again, I think that this is the parent who does not equip their child very well. Um, I think it's incredibly important to protect your children, particularly in today's society. Um, I was just uh, doing some work with a family, uh, some child uh, therapy kinds of things, uh, child parent interactions, I should say. Um, And, you know, we were at a mall and it was a, it was a little girl and, um, you know, she was, um, I don't know, uh, five to you know seven years old or something like that. And she, you know, the kinds of looks that, you know, like these almost predatorial looks. It happened a couple of times in these several hours we were at this mall. And yes, you absolutely need to protect your children. At the same time, at what point as the parent do you become overprotective where they're not allowed to grow, where they're not allowed to try things and fail? And then what happens is you really, um, you really kind of create children who can't become full adults. Um, they, 
they either need you for everything or you know they they always um they always want your opinion before they're able to do something and at some point that's got to be incredibly exhausting for the parent as well right if you're in your 70s 80s still trying to direct and maneuver your child for their quote benefit but at the same times um you know, but at the same time, uh, really doing it at the detriment of the child. And the overprotective parent can also be the, the hard parent to set some boundaries with. So let's look at a couple things that I have done um, in order to really set some good boundaries. And again, I have the two parents that I have. You'll have to kind of um, tweak this because obviously we have different parents. Uh, but, you know, one was with a parent who was much, much healthier, and one is with a parent who is fairly unhealthy. And mm, I would even say quite unhealthy. And so it's looked a little bit different. But I will say, um, one of the first things for me was, I actually went through a period of psychological pain and loss and that was having one really bad boyfriend. And after that point, I, I come back from that experience because I'd gone to see him, um, stayed a few weeks uh, with him, although technically he was not my boyfriend. Uh, but anyway, went to see this man. Um, and when I returned, I was very angry. Um, I kind of went through this, this phase of really being very frustrated with uh, the masculine, particularly our male-dominated society. And this was the first time this had ever happened to me. And so for me, um, I always, I don't necessarily encourage it, but if you are a woman and you're like, I'm just I'm done, I am sick and tired of having someone manipulate or try to control my life, I am a freaking adult. It's not necessarily a bad place to be. Um, this is, in my opinion, your dark feminine saying, Here's my fucking boundary, right? So just know, I also want you to know that it is not going to come across very well because your parents have been operating a certain way and you have also for a very long time. But that anger piece, at least for me, was very necessary. I think particularly in our society, we really look down on women who get a bit angry. Um, that's not nice. That's not accommodating. That's that's um, sort of showing this uglier side of you. I don't see it as ugly, but I do see it as part of that dark aspect of who I am. Um, because you know, if we think about both the light aspects of the feminine and the dark aspects of the feminine, think about a tree. Um, you know, kind of maybe outside in your yard, um, your garden, whatnot. What you see above the surface, there's almost a direct replica under the surface in terms of the root system. And in order for the tree to flourish above ground, it's also got to flourish below ground in the darkness. So if we think of darkness, you know, we think of how the seed grows in the soil, how the baby grows in the womb. Um, and a lot of really good things happen in the darkness. And I think that being very connected to our dark feminine allows us to kind of say, no more, no more. We need to have a conversation, you know, maybe you and your parents, or I, I did the conversation separately. Um, 
because I have two very different parents. And, you know, having, you know, kind of understanding ahead of time, how do I want this to go? Um, because it now also know that it will probably go differently. Um, work on it though. What I have found as well is uh, maybe taking a month or two to work on it, um, with some other people. Maybe there's a colleague that kind of steps all over you a little bit and you're going to work on, you, you know, maybe putting some boundaries in place before you, uh, maybe have those conversations with your parents. Um, that can be very helpful. Also talking with some of the other women in your lives, or if you're a man listening to the podcast, uh, some other men in your lives, a, a couple of those men that you really trust, or a couple of those women. Or of course, if you're a woman, you can also go to a man or a man go to a woman, but a couple of those people that you really trust. Um, sometimes siblings can be brought into that as well and saying, hey, I'm really struggling with the way that mom's treating me. I'm really struggling with the way that she does these things. Um, sometimes we don't have great relationship relationships with our siblings. And so that's a no go, but consider that my sister and I have a lot of conversations about stuff. She actually just sent me a funny meme not that long ago and said, um, I think it was a video when it was me calling up my sister to let her know that I pissed mom off because <laughs> you know, it's going to come back on you too. Uh, or, and you're going to hear about it or you're going to whatever. So, um, just know that, um, you're going to get pushback from them because you're asking for a very big change. I always say, start small, make some little changes and be making some of those little changes when it comes to your own personal growth journey. The next thing is do not have conversations with someone when you are tired, hungry, overwhelmed, overworked, whatever it is. Also, if you go to sit down with your parent and you can already tell that they're agitated, turn the conversation a different way and do it a different day. You don't have to, for the most part, you don't have to do it just then. And, and another thing that I would say is really pay attention to your nervous system. Um, I talk a lot on the podcast about the nervous system and really kind of knowing where we're at, right? Uh, particularly, you know, the idea of polyvagal theory and whatnot. Um, know when you are more in that green space, that ventral vagal. This is the system of connection. You're able to, again, meet the demands of the day, go with the flow, be connected to life, be able to communicate. Um, depending on the parent, like when I spoke with my mother, I realized I, I kind of had to talk with her like I was talking to a six-year-old. That sounds really harsh, uh, but if you were someone who has a parent with borderline, you probably understand that a little bit more. Very, 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 very patient. Speaking in soothing tones. I realized that this sounds a little placating, but I knew the boundaries weren't going to go over well anyway. But um, I actually started to talk to her about it one day, and I noticed that I was in the yellow, in the sympathetic system. That's the system of action. I was feeling a little anxious. I was feeling that kind of chaotic energy inside, right? That that humming of the bees, you know, um, that was kind of uh, not making me like shake, but, and you couldn't really see it, but under the surface of my skin, right? Um, 
you know, anytime I'm kind of feeling angry, wanting to, um, you know, anytime I'm feeling the need to attack, I can be angry at the situation, but I can't be angry in the conversation. It doesn't go well. Uh, another thing is when you're really, uh, you know, in that space of wanting to talk to the person, never come from the place of defensiveness. So a really good uh, section of um, one of Dr. John and Julie Gottman's books, I believe it's The Seven Keys to Making Marriage Last. They talk about how when you are defensive, you're never going to actually get what what you want. You never convince someone when you are operating from a place of defensiveness. So again, it, this may take several attempts, even before you have the initial conversation. Keep it short, keep it small. That would be my uh, recommendation and then build on it. Um, I think letting go of the guilt. Um, I'm sure that this is not just true for women, but it feels to me like, again, as women, we're really kind of taught to be you know, always accommodating, always going with the flow, always going with what other people want a lot of the time. And so there's a lot of guilt that can be there around having any sort of boundaries. And when you let go of that and you really kind of step into your own power and say, no, like I am a person who should be treated a certain way and I am not being treated that way. Um, again, that's that's another mindset shift that you're going to kind of have to go through. I think another thing as well is knowing your limits. Um, and, and also knowing that your parent is going to most likely uh, step over those boundaries. They're going to violate those boundaries. It's going to take them quite a while. It, even with my dad, it's taken me years to kind of reframe his mindset a bit. Um, now it all, it hasn't always been in a way where I'm pushed into the yellow, um, where I'm pushed into, uh, that place of anxiety or anger. Right. Um, but it has been something where, you know, I've noticed that it takes a while, right? Just like it's taken you a while on your kind of self-healing journey to really, uh, change your mindset in a lot of things. Um, you know, it, it will also be that way for your parents as well. So also know what some of your limits are um, and, and set some smaller kinds of boundaries and things uh, kind of for them and with them. I think another thing too is uh, be direct. Um, they will often uh, be angry. Uh, there may be some bullying, some control, some power dynamic. I think about it like hockey, right? Like a power play, <laughs> um, trying to gain some dominance over the situation. Um, but really be, be willing to speak from a place of directness. It does not have to be loud. It can be very quiet. Um, I personally am an introvert. And so for me, um, Speaking more quietly, more calmly, most of the time, is usually the space that I'm in. Um, being honest with yourself first and then with them, I think is really important. When you're not direct, the other person doesn't really understand what that boundary looks like. 
Um, you know, no one can read our mind, right? And being direct is actually a very for, uh, very uh, strong sign of healthy communication. Now, again, being direct does not mean, you know, you are uh, being incredibly rigid or, again, you're being loud about it or you are saying this is the only way that it'll be. Being direct just means, hey, um, here's this boundary that I've got. Uh, here's the way that I, I did not appreciate the way that you treated me. Um, in the future, uh, this is, uh, you know, kind of how I address things with my mom, um, in the future, uh, if we are having a conversation, but it is unhealthy, neither of us need to run away from the other, but we can either say, you know, um, or basically I'll just be saying, Hey, you know, uh, this, this conversation or, um, this, th you know, this thing that you did, uh, that really violated one of my boundaries. Um, here's what I would have liked to have happened anyway, or, you know, in, instead, I should say, instead of anyway, instead, um, here's a different way of maybe of handling it, you know, those kinds of things, but being direct and saying, you cannot just come over whenever you feel like it please text or call or whatnot first, you know, whatever, whatever that boundary needs to be, or the way that you spoke to me wasn't okay. So, um, if you choose to do that in the future, I am just going to have to, you know, end that kind of conversation, uh, let you know that the boundary has been violated. And, uh, I will often say to my mother, we can try to have this conversation again another time. Again, kind of like that six-year-old. I realize though that's very different. If you do not have a parent with borderline, I that might actually be fairly offensive. <laughs> so or or irritating to them. Obviously you won't have to do that. But that is something that I've had to do, just as kind of an example. And then I think lastly, um, I am a person, you know, being an intuitive introverted feeler, um, I am a person who likes some space. I like my quiet time. Uh, not just simply independence, but, you know, kind of that quiet time. Um, but I think that when you know yourself and your limits, you know when you need to give that person, sometimes even yourself, uh, a little time out. Uh, I will often set a boundary with myself where I'm like, uh, you have five minutes to be upset about this and then we're done. Right. And now of course being upset is usually internally to me where I'm like, my God, I'm gonna, mm, that person just freaking makes me so angry. Right. Whatever it is. And then be like, okay, now I'm done. You don't get to sit here in your little self pity party. Um, not just that we have things to do, but more along the lines of you don't get to take your mindset into that negative space. You can be mad for a few minutes and then we're done. And we have to learn how to let it go. Uh, another thing I would say as well, again, knowing when you need your space and your alone time, um, particularly after you've had this conversation, um, kind of like they talk about, you know, uh, in, I don't think it's just BDSM or whatever, but you know, after you've had kind of, uh, I think they call it quote, intense sessions, you know, sexual encounters and whatnot, then there's that aftercare. I use that concept a lot in many areas of my life. When I have been around a lot of people, 
that I don't know well. And I've had to do a lot of um, very surface level conversations. I know that I need quiet time after that. Sometimes it's just the rest of that evening. Usually I like to take a hot bath or whatever, go for a walk, work out, um, you know, drink some tea, yoga, meditate, whatever it is, read, those kinds of things. But sometimes it takes a little longer than that. So if you've had a particularly challenging conversation with your parent, and let's say it didn't go to plan and they got real angry and blew up at you, you're going to need to do your own aftercare. Um, Again, I do this in a lot of contexts now, and I cannot tell you how wonderful it's been and how, how it really helps me move myself from that yellow um, kind of space, that sympathetic nervous system space back into the green, into the ventral vagal, uh, where things are a lot more calm. And I not only feel good about life, but I feel good about myself where I'm not stressing, I'm not overthinking, I'm not ruminating. Uh, you know, my thoughts don't have all that rumination. Uh, another way to also do that is to co-regulate. So maybe, you know, you tell a friend, hey, you know, I'm going to have this conversation with my mom or my dad or whatever. And um, can I call you after? Can we get together after? Sometimes um, I need someone to cry with because it's hard. Um, interestingly enough, when I had the conversation initially with my dad, I said, Hey, listen, like, I love how you care for me. At the same time, though, the dynamic of the parent child relationship, it needs to change a little bit. And I think by, you know, having it change means that we both get to be more of who we are now, not locked in the things from the past, the old dynamics. Could you please try being just my mentor and my advisor in life rather than particularly my advisor when I ask for that, uh, you know, feedback. But a lot of times I really appreciate my dad when he just gives feedback, you know, because uh, a lot of times the reason why I'm talking to him about it is because I want his feedback. Um, but he was like, yeah, okay. Uh, I fully respect that. And uh, I agree, this could actually be a very good thing for us. Now on the hand, uh, you know, on the other hand with my mother, uh, there was nothing but pushback. There was nothing but anger, tears, rage, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, again, it has taken years to to kind of uh, work through some of that stuff. Um, on the other hand, um, I will also give the example that about two weeks ago on a Saturday, my father came over. And uh, so my, my birthday is coming up in October. And I made some decisions around uh, doing things for myself. Um, I very much believe that I should be taking the highest quality care of myself that I can until the most incredible man comes into my life, right? That divine masculine man um, who's been deeply working on himself and wants to create that kind of exceptional relationship with me. Um, But, you know, I believe that I give myself those experiences now. So I found out that Andrew Huberman is going to be in Chicago, which I was really excited by. Uh, He's also going to be in Toronto uh, this month of September. And I thought, oh, let me look at that. That'd be cool. Let me go to Toronto. And then the plane ticket was twice as much. And I thought, well, 
do I also really want to fly that far through the air? Let me just go to Chicago. Four hour flight, whatever. Not a big deal. I'm putting myself up at an excellent hotel. I got a box seat, um, paid the extra money uh, to have a box seat to listen to Andrew Huberman. And my dad criticized that. And, you know, my father doesn't pay for anything uh, for me, you know, anymore. Obviously, I'm an adult. And he criticized um, uh, some things. And I told him, hey, you can have an opinion on this, but. I'm going to do what I want. Um, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to make this decision. Um, and he was like, well, I just don't see why you're wasting your money and why you're doing this kind of thing or whatever. And I said, that's okay. You don't have to understand it. You don't have to agree with it. You don't even have to like it. You don't have to support it, but I'm still going to do it because I'm an adult. If I want to go for two nights to Chicago to see Andrew Huberman, I'm going to. It's my birthday present to myself. Um, so still, every once in a while, we have little things that we bump up against. And, you know, but setting boundaries with my father has been a lot healthier than setting boundaries with my mother. So just know that it will and could look very different depending on, you know, the kind of person that you are uh, spending time around. And then, you know, also after that, kind of felt a little off the rest of the day after my dad and I had that conversation. And I was a little sad. I was also a little angry. And, um, you know, it was good to take some space. It was good to step back, step aside, um, and then also do some things to really put myself first. I think that that is, I think that that's a really important thing a really important thing to to be aware of as well when you are really working on setting boundaries with your parents. Um, and, and I think that that's the hard thing is that there's a huge spectrum from that healthier parent that you can set the boundary with to the very, very unhealthy parent. Um, yeah. So those are some things that, uh, that I have done in the past um, to really help me Again, really build a life that's mine. I don't need my parents commenting all the time on all the decisions that I make or whatnot. Uh, again, I still go to my father for advice, but at the same time, um, there are still a lot more you know, boundaries in place with the two of us. So if you are looking for a place uh, to do your self-healing work, um, I have created something called a members club. It is only for women, and uh, we are part of the uh, Mighty Networks family. And so that means uh, if you go to the link in uh, my bio on Instagram, or actually I believe in the show notes, you can also click on um, Members Club in the show notes, and it will take you to um, this website where you can download the Mighty Networks app and then be a part of Create Love Freedom. And um, I have two sections in there. There is one section that is free. Uh, so you can just kind of sign up, maybe look around a little bit. Uh, none of the course material or what I like to call the master classes are there. Uh, they are all in the members club, which is a subscription of $29 a month. And in our members club, each month I put um, forward a new self-healing topic or master class. 
So we've done, you know, um, the abandonment wounds, self-limiting beliefs, the fear of intimacy. Um, we've looked at uh, enmeshment trauma. We've looked at the fear of commitment, healing the need for validation. Um, and then in September, uh, we have been looking at emotional neglect uh, in our relationships, whether that be childhood, um, as adults, um, and then also in marriage. And when you click on the masterclass, there is going to be multiple videos and also a workbook for you to be able to go through um, to really work through that that topic, that self-healing uh, space so that you can really transform your own life. Um, I'm just really giving you the tools to guide you on that journey. We also have a live Sometimes it's a Q&A call. Sometimes I have a very specific kind of topic or whatever, um, but all women are able to be a part of that, whether or not you're just part of the Create Love Freedom community in the app or whether you are part of the members club. I do something specific just for the members club as well. Uh, but um, you also have access to all of the other women who are really doing their self-healing work and you have access to me. You can send me a message and a text and I will, I guess it's a message, well, text message, whatever within the app. And um, I will respond to that. Um, I also have a free quiz out. Um, it is the feminine reclaiming quiz. So on Instagram, I really look at these different stages of our feminine and masculine growth process. Um, the wounded feminine, the distorted feminine, how we move into that awakened space, and then how we really move into our divine space and co-create uh, with a partner who just brings joy and love into our life, someone that we can um, really commit to, and then also how we put our purpose out into the world. And so if you take the quiz, uh, you will immediately get the quiz results. And if you scroll through the quiz results in the little email that I send you, you can click uh, there and send me your email address because I am very diligently working on the feminine reclaiming course where uh, there will be kind of different um, different avenues depending on what you want to purchase. But I'll be going through all the different wounds of the wounded feminine and all the different wounds of the distorted feminine and then how to heal those, how to transform that. We're really going to look at how we can kind of see where we are in these spaces based upon our relationships. Um, and we're going to learn how to really heal uh, those kinds of wounds so that we can really attain, I guess, the the love, uh, your relationships, the career, the life that we're really looking for. Uh, the career also kind of with that deeper purpose. How do we put that out into the world? How do we move into this awakened space? And then when we're there in the awakened space, how do we move into that divine space? And even if you do uh, come out on the quiz as being in the divine feminine, how do you leverage that? How do you continue to grow, manifest your dreams, and put your purpose out into the world? So again, that course will be coming out um, within the next few months. So I'm very excited about that. Um, but if you leave me your email address after taking the quiz, I will let you know when the course is ready. Um, for the first 10 women who sign up, uh, it will be at a 50% discount. So sign up there. 
Um, and then lastly, if you would like to send me a message, uh, if you'd like to tell me your story, uh, many people do, um, you can email me. Uh, my email is createlovefreedom at gmail.com. And I would love to hear your story and write you back. So I hope that this discussion today on um, setting boundaries with our parents was really helpful for you. Uh, please let me know any of your feedback. And yes, until next time. <laughs>